Saludos amigos! Today our guest, Stanley Jennings, is a longtime member of the music scene who has been around since the beginnings of Anchorage Pop Rock. He juggles many musical hats and apart from being a numerous rock band, he also has a popular parang band. What a resume! We can barely keep track! Can he? Let's hear all about it, Stan! The wonderful man of many hats, Mr. Stanley Jennings. (laughs) Say hi to everybody, Stanley. Hi, everyone. It's an honor to be here. On the Only General Podcast. You hear it here first. Now, I have a question to ask you that's straight off the bat. You are a man of many hats, as I said just now, a true professional. How do you find time to be in multiple bands, run your real estate drama, have a career and a family, Stanley. How do you do this? Well, I've recently gotten married. So to say I'm an expert. Thank you. <laughs> to say I'm an expert at it, we'll see from now. Yeah. But in terms of, of work and, and playing music, from ever since, I mean, back in the days when, when I was playing with Burn, I had the the honor of, of actually being the band's manager. And... How I always pictured myself from from since I was like 17 years old, I always wanted my own home. So that was my focus. So the reason why I'm so diligent with work, I never miss a day of work for that reason, is that I figured that working in an environment and being able to pay my mortgage and my bills, that was of of utmost importance to me, Not, not playing music. Music was actually second. So it's your hobby. Yeah. And I had to look at it like that. But also, the thing with Burn is Burn was really marketable. So we were actually getting like three and four gigs a week. Really? Yeah. What? Give me a time frame for this one because three and four gigs a week right now seems like yeah, unheard of. So what year are you looking at for this? Um, We're looking between 2000 to 2005. Okay. Yeah. So we were playing like casinos or restaurants, wherever. And we were actually getting a decent pay to do so. Mm-hmm. So um, basically... Um, playing the nights, Wednesday nights, Thursday nights, Friday nights, Saturday nights, and get get enough sleep and, and go to work the following day. That's how it's been ever since. So it was like a straight up year round hustle. The day I break for Carnival too, it just went right. Um, we actually had some opportunities which I found really strange. Like Manzanilla Beach Resort used to hire us religiously for Carnival. I talk about Carnival Friday. We have a big blocko in Manzanilla. Really? And yeah, and expect to. To play for a small crowd, and I talk about man, it's thousands inside of there. And this is early two thousands. Yeah, oh. we also played down the islands when Gary Thompson, who's our guitarist now, he actually was there, and I talk about we were playing for like a foreign crowd, a lot of Venezuelans at that time. Okay, and packed as well on a carnival Saturday, and same thing. It was real vibes. So, and so I don't mean to ask you, age. How old were you when all this was going on, boy? Um. Whew. Then, then it had to be um, early thirties. Yeah, early thirties. Yeah, and you there, and that was your full time, full time, full time. Well, not really full time hustle, but you had a pretty good band hustle. Yeah, we had a real great band. And hustle. you guys were like what, a cover band for those who are not familiar with the Burn. Um, Burn, well, Burn was a derivative of of Sprang and Escape, which which Robin Jutram, Ansel, um, and well, at that time it was Fly. They kind of 
they started as original original bands. Well, Escape was a great cover band. I actually competed against them in Battle Bands, which was my first show. Okay. And and Robin, he was in Escape, and they they actually won. And Sill and Fly, they were forming a band by the name of Sprang, and Robin wanted to go in that that direction. They were actually an original band, so they were playing only originals. They had some great originals, by, one by the name of Barnyard, which we ended up recording with them, um, and a few others. I will actually um, see if I could get you the CD sometime, because yeah. we actually recorded it by Giles, and it came out really decent. Um, so they were an original band, and then they looked to form Boone, and it so happened, well, they entered Anchorage in 1999. They had a really great bassist, like one of my favorite bassists at that time. His name was Kerry. And they they came ninth in, in the competition. And at that point, Kerry didn't see it worthwhile that he continue being where they placed. So yeah. is at that point, they asked me if I could come and fill in for Kerry. So, so I did so. I went home. At that point, I didn't even have any any medium to play music except in my vehicle. So I, I put the songs on my radio, on my deck, and in the car. My bass amp was inside the house. Yeah. And I sat... And you, you play. Yeah. That's 1999, everybody. Come yeah. real far. <laughs> yeah. So, real far. So sat down, sat down in the vehicle in those songs, and then I'll go to practice, and they'll say, oh, shucks, we, we changed the set list. Shit. Yeah, it was real pressure. And I went in the competition with them, not nervous because, as I was explaining to my wife recently, uh, I, nervous is, is something I don't know. I don't. I don't get nervous. Really? Yeah, I get anxious probably. Yeah. But well. but nervous. I, I haven't experienced that emotion, and so I went went into um the Anchorage semis with them, and I was really a little uncomfortable in terms of of the set list. So I played to the best of my ability, but. I felt the mistakes and I actually felt fly and answer on my sides knowing the mistakes I made at that point in time. And they actually left and it was a real bad vibe after the gig. And I was outside listening to them announcing the, the bands, how they placed there after. Mm-hmm. And I realized I didn't hear Burns' name when they reached position three. And then I heard Robin actually left, if I remember. And I heard and in, um, at number two, we have burn. So I called Robin one time and he was like, I was like, hey, Robin, surprise. We Put play second. Yeah, we, we play second. And Robin was like, yeah, that's all cool, Stan, but who plays first? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't listen to who plays first. Yeah, we play second. Yeah. And then thereafter, for the finals, we actually, I, I was actually grilling my gear and we played, we executed the songs perfectly. No mistakes. And well, we place that's when we play second for the finals as well. But but um, in terms of people's choice, they actually had a vote vote off, and we 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 got four thousand votes, and the band that came first at that point got something like eighty something votes. So there we saw the disparity in in how how the judges what the judges think and what the people want, and you had yeah. to give the people what they want. Yeah, so, peak anchorage. Yeah, so uh, so at that point in time, Burn actually decided. Um, only to play as a guest band in, in the Anchorage shows. So, okay. So for the following four or five years, that's what we did. You no longer compete. Yeah, we no longer competed. And then I went there in 2005 as the manager. And they said, yeah, Burn, um, 
awesome but hey what's going on we this is the 10th year of anchorage pop rock and we're actually bringing in a foreign youtube tribute band so we we don't need burn to enter so at that point in time i took the decision as the manager i said okay how much is the entrance fee again and they told me something like four or five hundred dollars i went to the bank came back and i said well i think burn will actually be able to reach the finals so we'll be able to get in the show for free so i'm entering the band yeah. to compete so I went home real proud of myself, called the guys on their phones, and every last one of them cursed me out because they said we made it clear that we wouldn't ever enter in Anchorage again. Whoops. And I was like, guys, I heard the rules, and I honestly believe we could actually win this if if we put our hearts in it. And they they didn't want to compete at all, but because I was so adamant on it, they they entered and everybody and this is the um video that you share because i think this 2005 yeah. shows you one that yes. is always on facebook yes all the time yeah, yeah. So, I, so i shared that and for the prelims we came third for the semis we came second and for the finals we we won nice and what did you win do you remember the prize um something like 20 something thousand dollars and a Christ. recording contract well a re- recording deal just to do the songs about 10 songs that's pretty cool. And whatever came from that? Um, we did we did a recording with about four or five songs of Burns Originals. And we just split the rest of the money for some equipment or whatever. That's what you got to do, man. And yeah. now this year, Trust Fest 7 would probably be, I think, the... Yeah, there's like the, the end because we all have our professional directions to go to. I mean, it's a great friendship. We we talk almost daily, but but life goes on, so... For lack of a better pun, you guys are a little burnt out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't, I could, I, I mean, from 2005 to now, it's kind of a slow burn, Stanley. But, but the, but the thing is, burn actually stopped for a few years, you know, it was, it was for like, we did, we did, I, um, because I know there was the big return of the burn earlier this year at Rick's. Um, that was like seemed to be like the twenty nineteen. Yeah, it was kind of a big deal because after we did Rock Avenue, we had a show. Be like, I have a show with Burn and his return of the burn. Yeah. Well, I I asked, what what was the catalyst to come back? You guys like all of a sudden everyone's like, all right, we're gonna return Burn. Um. Well, the guys love music. I mean, it's just making the time to to get the practice in, and then they see me with the different projects still going, and. Everybody start even like now for Frostfest to get everybody together is, is really hard, but yeah, that's the yeah. hardest part about being a musician getting everybody to practice. Yeah, but we like dollar box, yeah, like dollar box, like dollar box, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, but that well, you know, but carrying it back to um, to Anchorage because you lived peak pop rock, yeah. Like, do you think a medium like that right now could help? The local industry, or you think something like that would just not be worthwhile? I, I don't think the competition aspect is is worthwhile, but definitely the the ability for bands to play in shows like that. Like I remember, Sandblast was really big as well. Yeah, Sandblast was a scene. Yeah, and um, this one in South that's going on now every year. Skyrock. Skyrock. Yeah, those are great catalysts, but. You see in the, the scene dying, but you see what happened is you, we need something like that in the West, I figure. Yeah. In Port of Spain, bring in, bring in, in, because I know a lot of people down the side that still love rock music, but just don't even know what's going on and not willing to track like tomorrow after go to DB to Troopers Bar. 
And I can't even tell people in my workplace, hey, come troopers, but don't. I know. I, I mean, I'm a I, I West boy at heart and having to do shows in South is be real hard. Yeah. For me, because I have to leave, because I, you know, we work because we're older. Yeah. It's not like back in the day where I was, you know, just sitting down in my parents' house all day long doing nothing and say, all right, <laughs> time to go to a show, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, like you have to work, you have these things to balance, and then like the whole, then all the way back up the road. I don't know if it's, if it's just age catching up to me, like playing a show, tired, I don't want to talk to nobody, I just want to sit in my car and drive home, but then I just, our drive on top of that, I just yeah. sitting out there like exhausted, my body can't handle it. Yeah, I could understand and that. And that's real demotivating <laughs> a little bit. So you think the West needs something big? The West definitely needs something big. If you think people were to be like, hey, pop rock, but we have it again, you think you would bring people out or you think like the younger generation just don't care? Um, the, I don't think the young, well, the young, younger generation, what rock is there, you know? They, there isn't really modern rock as such for them. They they'll Post probably, Malone did a song with Ozzy Osbourne. And nobody knew who Ozzy Osbourne was. No, I mean, but to say like there, there isn't rock, but there's like, you know, there's different genres. Well, right now, Bruno Mars and Ed Sheeran actually have a rock-based yeah, song. Yeah, that compilation album is very, yeah. very, very good. I think they play it on the radio all the time. I'll put the um the link to the compilation, the Ed Sheeran compilation album into the... um. In, in, in the show notes because I know um, Mike, Mikey Ross to spin those tunes right all the time and it has a nice kind of southern R&B heavy rock blues vibes it and it is good yeah it's a good thing but you know you see stuff like that that is out there and young people will listen to it because you know that stuff still still sells because if you look at some of the things like I don't know if you happen to watch like young people fashion like Nirvana t-shirts and merchandise and stuff right. still sells. Like it's relevant. Okay. So, you know, but I just feel like young people don't just get the chance. Like now the fact that they have the ability to hear anything, they don't use it. Exactly. But I don't know. I think that um, I too agree with you in the sense that the scene's dying in a big way. And I think that you need to get the new faces out. Well, that was basically what I was trying to do with the anarchists because I was actually the front line of the anarchists. The average age was at a point in time about 22. Wow. Yeah. So I wanted to bring younger faces who are skilled at, at musicianship and singing and and be able to, to bring a good rock, rock product still. Let's talk about the anarchists for a little bit because the anarchists seems to be one of those um, bands that you guys just do every single show. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you're in, in 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 the grand scheme of things, you're always doing a Troopers Bar, or you do a Frost Fest, or you do this show. Like you're all over the place. How did you build your brand, known as Yannickus, to that level? And the fact that you're not just categorized by like one region, but you guys can play shows all over the island. Okay, well, going on what Robin from Burn told me many years ago. Um, I was trying to base the band on an image, mm-hmm. attitude, and skill level. Okay. Those were the three three factors I was using in, in forming the band. And the first person I actually remembered was, um, well, we have a strong man by the name of Dylan, Dylan Kwan. Mm-hmm. And I was working together with his mom in, in RBC. And when he was about 12 years old, his mother was 
telling me how great a guitarist she, he is and she wanted to send him to lessons and I advised on which direction to go and so on. So he was the first person I thought of when I was forming this band. I didn't know. I just knew that his mom was a nice looking woman and the father was a, a, a nice guy. And I figured, well, yeah, he should be he should be a good looking fellow by now. <laughs> he has yeah, that stage presence. Yeah, he has a presence. Um, initially, we had Andy, which I actually heard her sing. She actually sang to me when I did a, a, another show with a guy by the name of Joel Beza, who's actually out in England at the moment. Yeah. And Alexis Machine. Yeah. And she sang um, Adele rolling in the deep for me. And at that point, she couldn't even tell me hello in English. And I was blown away by the precision of her voice. And I figured she would be a, a great front woman. And Andy actually brought in the the other guy on guitar, George, or Jorge, as we refer to him in his native tongue. And, and he is really a skilled guitarist. So coupling with Brent, who's been with me from ever since, from, from Asylum, which was one of my first bands, to Burn, to, to Now, I, any project I've done, I've, I've liaised with Brent or, or Vince on drums. Mm-hmm. And Brent, yeah, Vince is always your, your destiny, just plus one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so uh, with Brent's help, we, we put together the band, I actually moved a little selfishly in, in terms of the songs we were, we were doing. I was actually saying, okay, let's try these songs. Okay. And then um, Andy, at the point in time, she was advising on the songs she really likes to do. And we even mixed it from pop rock to R&B to, to reggae to, to Latin. And then Andy happened to leave the band and we brought in Tamara, who was a really great replacement. She was actually Brent's suggestion. And tomorrow worked out perfectly, and and the guys on the back end, well, Brent and I on the back end, and we've been going ever since. So, for any advice for those looking to get into a cover band, how do you determine a proper set list, and how does it vary from venue to venue? What I try to do is basically listen to what's on the radio, and okay. what, yeah, what's popular and see how best we could cover it as well as bring in the classics like the Eagles and the um, Nirvana and Guns So what are some of Because I was having this discussion the other day with um, somebody actually and we were comparing cover band standards from where I lived in Colorado to here in Trinidad. What are some of the like must-have cover band musical standards that you need to have in your repertoire as a cover band in Trinidad and Tobago. If you had to pick five tunes that you must know that you go into a venue that when you play it, it will mash up. Some of 69. Um, well, Hotel California. Mm-hmm. We initially, we we did so much of Zombie that right now we, all of us... Don't hate... want to do Zombie again. Yeah, yeah Zombie is another big one. Yeah, we actually played that song now. <laughs> No, I can hear it because um because back to the, you know pop rock every pop rock they must have one band doing zombie yeah like zombie is just one of those standards yeah. that just will stand once you have a female vocalist you have to yeah, do zombie yeah exactly and it's so easy to play it <laughs> yeah I don't play zombie don't, with don't, your don't, 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 don't. you don't play with your eyes closed you know what I mean um you have two more you can give me a three there um definitely a, a scorpions because like I remember even playing a heavy show and what I did was I suggested we come um light scorpions and, and the 
the crowd was blown away at Rick's when we did that. Okay. Um, did I say I said Summer '69 or Brian Adams? Um, outfield. All, really? Yeah, outfield. Because I was actually saying, like you know, the the closers that we had back in my day, like things that you have to be, and this is so different. Like when you go to the states, like when you're playing out there, one big closer we had was like ZZ Top Lagrange. Okay. Um, Brown Eye Girl. Right. Was another one. Shook me all night long. Okay. <laughs> you must have that. Um, the band, the weight. Right. Sweet Home Alabama. Wow. Those are like bangers. You play those tunes, you're bound to mash up. Okay. You see, it's such a weird, like, different kind. Con- like, every country you go, you have those, like, those bangers you gotta play. And, like, Trinidad is just so unique in the sense that, you know, outfield will get, yeah. like, your love. You know, you yeah, play yeah. that tune. And, of course, Cranberry, Zombie. <laughs> it's like crazy 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 so jumping around that because you have such a deep musical resume apart from anarchists and stuff like that you were also a promoter for a while i think at nemo's i think we had this conversation a while yeah, at nemo whoa at nemo's, yeah pulling this out again <laughs> deep dive into stanley jennings today yeah. tell me about your nemo's experience because a lot of people don't remember Nemo's wow. as like a place for like music. Yeah, send him a back away. I actually yeah. I actually went to Nemo's because they had a committee and the owner, um Donald. Yeah. Donald. Yes. And the Donald. He wanted to hire Boone to play there. And he asked me to organize a couple other bands. And I did that. One was anti everything. I can't remember the other band at this point, you know. And we did that show, and thereafter, he asked me if I could be on the committee for Nemo's. And I was like, yeah, no problem. So then they actually had a Halloween party that, that I helped promote. And when I reached to the event, they actually had as a prize, and those days I was actually a lot fitter than I am now, and they had a prize for who could beat me in hand wrestling. They would have <laughs> a bottle of scotch. And I, man, all the security and thing came, and I did. I took him out. I didn't even know I was that strong until that point in time. Um, after I won, and I took him out. They had some guys I didn't expect to be that I beat, but eventually it ended up to be one of the security came when I was like, "Bun!" I'm taking this man yeah, out. He, he get it right time. Yeah, right he, did, he destroyed me. Yeah. People have realized how packed Nemo's used to be. Yeah. Because Nemo's had, you could move inside there. It was just yeah. a big, it was a, it was a seafood restaurant. But the kids and them who don't know, Nemo's was on top of Papa John's on Mokrap Road. Yeah. Before Mokrap, before Papa John's was there. They actually had um an event there on a Friday night, Real Pack, Real Ramout, Real Dub and thing. It was, it was the club and they would have street racing on the foreshore. Yeah. Because Nemo's had a balcony. Yes. And you can see, and that's when foreshore drugs was born. So that was like, the hopping place in the west. Well, I have a funny story. As um, so I carried my drummer there, and he was like, "Yes, mm-hmm. um, well, no, um, Brent." Who, okay, and he wanted the opportunity to to DJ there. So it's like, okay, come true. So he came with like this little iPod, like this, right? And he started to play some classic rock songs on a Friday night when they had real dub and soca oh, going Jesus on. Jesus Christ! So I took him out with the iPod. Yeah, so. A man came up. In fact, a few people came up. Like, where else? Like, like, what is this? We don't want to hear no rock. We want some hard dub. Who who playing this music? You playing this music? I was like, me? No. Him. 
at a point in the intro when he's there like struggling with his his like part of the yeah, time I, I think he was playing live at that point in time what? yeah <laughs> You want to put people to sleep? Yeah. Nothing against live, you know, but yeah. on a Friday night, yeah. that's not what you really want to hear. Yeah. You know not what in, I mean? Not in those who Not for that crowd. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So how did being a promoter change your perspective as being with a band? Like, as a musician, musician slash promoter, MO, how did that change your perspective as being a band lead? And how were you able to improve yourself as a gig musician with the experience? Well, from the experience, definitely is... You have to, I mean, it's kind of sad, but you have to play what the people want. That's how you'll get the gigs. Mm -hmm. And if you play what the people want and a lot of people come in to hear the band ever so often, then you'll be able to to pull a crowd at wherever you play. So, I mean, it's double-edged sword because I I, I have a fellow who started in bands with playing Slayer and Metallica and those were the songs I was playing and loving loving doing it playing fast yeah you know yeah so so i mean even right now i play in a band by the name of tremor and they play they call bands that i don't even know about so <laughs> real heavy and and i mean it it, it improves my speed and, and my precision precision sorry um so well that's what the experience going back to your question but that's what the experience has taught me in terms of what we we have to do as a band. If if you have to pay, well, everyone likes to say you have to pay your dues. Yeah, but it was it was an exciting for me to see the linchpin part because mm-hmm. that's exactly what they're not doing, and it's working out so well for them. They're doing a lot for this country in terms of of rock music, and I mean, I I would never probably never see them playing a movie town gig you know what I'm saying or playing a Jared's father's booty but yeah. <laughs> but but what Lynchpin has done for rock and especially in the heavy genre I well, mean remember those um if you understand what those deep niche market like heavy market heavy metal you know genres are is like the, it's very tight because it's so small there's a lot yeah. of camaraderie yeah so once you have that like you know metal for metal helping one another out you will get that exposure. Now, what's interesting is the metal for metal exposure in Trinidad hasn't been as good as, say, the kind of support they get when they leave the island. Right. Which I find, you know, a little upsetting on our part because Lynchpin goes to somewhere like Suriname and they they get, like, a hero's welcome from everybody. They go to Cuba, they mash up the place, you know, but... They come to Trinidad and, like, you know, they have a show and it's, like, the same people show up. Yeah. But, it's, I mean, it's kind of a tough sell because, you know, the average Trinidadian, you try to pitch that to them and it could be, like, nah, that little thing. Yeah, definitely. You know what I mean? So, I mean, props to them for being in the case that, like, they're very, very deep because when Jiggy was on, he talked about that they were, they're very deep in that aspect of it and all communication, which is, you know, good but yeah. it's kind of hard for, you know, if you're a cover band, to be like, let's go on the cover band network and <laughs> <laughs> on the real wide webs. Basically, cover bands trying to satisfy the public niche. The that's that's what it's about. Yeah, it's 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 hard. I mean, because even like some, like for example, let's take a soca band. For example, they still at the end of the day, when is the season, have to play the hits in the fet. 
what the people want to hear. Yeah. For example, like Delidia Dan. You know, there was a year they had a big tune and they still had to go up on stage and play all the Ravi B tunes and all of this one and this medley and that and because it's what the people want. Because at the end of the day, it's a business. Yeah, I get paid. You know? Yeah. So you're done with doing your own creative thing and now you just want to do this in your business to get paid or are you ever going to go back and jump in and give everybody what the artistic impersonation of Stanley Jennings on bass? Okay, well, yeah, the artistic side of, of me on bass. On bass. Or oh. in music in general. Have you ever thought about turning, like, for example, you played so many covers with Anarchist and you guys are very tight. Have you ever thought about, like, hey, let's write a song together or is that just not the place for that? The... I actually want to push. Well, Dylan actually has many, many originals that, it, mm -hmm. and I actually told them I'm gonna reach to a point where I'm not gonna be playing any band anymore. I'll be managing the band. I'll be watching them blossom because where they they would love to to make money and and do this as a full time career, I definitely don't. No. Yeah. Yeah. So. I wouldn't mind managing them and re helping them to reach that stage. But um, from where I sit, uh, even if there's creativity, creativity involved, I won't be. I won't be. I'll be managing them. You'll be managing. So you're yeah. looking to take your creative and let them run their creative juices and yeah. do their own thing. Do you think that a cover band could be successful if they jump to, like, say, once once they have the training and the talents, definitely. Once they have vocalist has the range, the, the guitarist, the bassist has the ability, the drummer, the tightness, yeah. They they could do it. But so, they they so have to be open minded. They have to that's why there are things like jams in a band room, not just going there and, and play. And practicing, yeah. you actually have like that jam band yeah. session. Sure. Has a, you ever been in a jam band? Well, tomorrow you could say I am a jam band because tomorrow I'm playing with, with tremor and that band is tight really okay. tight in the in the execution of their songs the only person not tight in, but i have a good ear is me <laughs> okay so as i say and they call in songs that i never even heard before where if in anarchist if they probably call a song i'll probably i probably heard it before and You're i could familiar. yeah i could you probably jump in yeah, yeah but a lot of these songs that tremor tremor calls is songs i haven't heard before and i have to actually listen to them so it, it is a jam aspect tomorrow. Well, like, you know, like, for example, you take a band like Fish. I don't know if you're yeah. familiar. Where they have a li like Grateful Dead. Where their live set is they get on stage, they get started, and then wherever they go, they go. Okay. For like an hour. And it's like a jazz set and you send that it's all improv. Right. Do you think something like that could be successful in Trinidad with your experience? Or do you think that we're still a culture where people want to be like, I want to hear this tune, I want to break, I want to hear next break. You understand what nah, I'm saying? No, people like to see talented musicians. I mean, I've been to to, to that in Kaiso Blues, eh, where, where they have musicians just come and jam and they have some really great musicians there. Um, I went with Riaz probably about six months ago and we actually did a session with the, drum, the guy who's drumming for Orange Guy now. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's basically a jam session. It was basically a jam session, and they had they have their crowd. Yeah, because that um that jazz aspect, especially like the jam band, I think it's something that would help. Like a um, because we're such a society where there's a lot of feeding off the crowd, and people like that. Like for example, you look at how soca bands do it. 
they know how to feed off a crowd. I think if a band was tight enough to apply that same kind of mentality in a rock setting, yeah, they would be very successful in Trinidad in the sense that every time you go to the show, you're going to see something different. And if there was a way to get a crowd involved in it in such a way, like off the cuff, then, you know, it could really sky limit in terms of going to a live show where a live show is not just a place where you go line to hear some people play some of your favorite tunes, but in the time that every time you go to a live show, you don't know what you're going to get. I actually tried a, a simplified version of that at, at the same local Mart. Uh-huh. where I, I deemed it as the band's practice session and come in line with us. So so we actually went there. I brought in a few musicians and we just jammed and played played some covers that we knew, but still jammed just along some lines. And and it was becoming really successful, but that was in open air and, and in wood Too drop. many logistics. Yeah. Yeah, to get things going. So you think like a jam room session in that regard could be successful or something? Yeah. Probably work on. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. 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 We'll talk to you after the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we go think, you see, you see, this is what happens when, like, you know, business brains meet and we have these kind of discussions because people don't realize, like, a lot of people think, like, just being in a band is being in a band. Like, managing a Facebook page is met, but a lot of this stuff is very business oriented and you have to have a brain for it. Yeah. And, if you do have it, you could be like, you know, shit out of luck when it comes to like certain things. You could be a great musician, but if you don't know how to manage your business properly, you're never going to get far. Yeah. Or you could be a mediocre musician, but if you're a great business person, you could sell water to well. Exactly. You know, and these are the things that like, I want people to try and understand. Because I, <laughs> I, I try and pitch this to people all the time. I say, hey, you have to get your band's business in a year, simple things like showing up to practice on time. Very important for it's me. Like, it's like these little things you have to get, you have to get down pack early. You know what I mean? And, you know, has there ever been a time where you just work with people and after a little while you're just like, I'm done. I just want to hang up and just, like, how long does it take? How long does your patience go before you say, like, I'm done with this project. I'm going to go on to something else. Honestly, I, I don't think that ever happened to me in a project. You never quit a project? No. You have patience like a priest then? Well, yeah. Because I even with Boone, I talk about guys reaching two and three hours late. And, Serious? Yeah. Two and three hours. <laughs> and he's still still strong, still a brotherhood. So you never got to a point where you're like, I'm sick and tired of this music thing. I just want to quit. No. No, no, no. low lows? You're just always in... Um, they, I actually started a... a a dub band, a right? A dub band. Yeah, a dub band. Tell That's, us about the dub band. Well, <laughs> curious. No, that was a few years ago, and actually, that was actually before Mark Hardy is as big as he is. So okay. he he was a vocalist, and the person who messed me up with that was my same drummer because, in terms of coming to practice, and we, it was home by him as well, so we needed his input, but it didn't get off the ground. I talking about I had real places ready for us to jam, ready for us to play, telling me we'll launch by them and so on. Dub and dance hall. Yeah, dub and dance hall. So you're like Vibes Cartel and then you're going to come and play I, live? A lot of Buju, a lot of Shaba, Super wow. Cat, yeah, Red Rat. And you never you never followed up on that idea? I, I, no, it was coming out well, but it just never happened. You ever kick yourself and say, boy, I should have go back and do that? No, well, I think of it a lot, but... But in terms of having regrets, no, 
no. You're glad I'm man of many hats. Well, as people don't realize now, it's the end of October. Right. And you know a season going up. Yeah. It's Parang season. Parang season. Tell us about Los Hermanos Sexuales, <laughs> which is probably the most... The most in-demand parang band <laughs> these days. How did that project... Let the people of Trinidad and Tobago know, and the world, how did Stanley Jennings, the man who was in Burn, right. Anarchist, Dollar Box, end up to be in a parang band called Los Hermanos Sexuales? It's actually Los Hombres Sexuales. Look, man. Sexy brothers. <laughs> but Let's take that. Los Hombres Sexuales. It's okay. So I started a new position in RBC. Whereas working closely with, with two guys. And one of them actually came to a lot of burn gigs because we were playing a lot in Woodford at that point in time. So every time we played Woodford, yeah, he was actually at Nemo's as well. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So he came to a lot of gigs to see burn. And he was, I guess he was really feeling the burn. <laughs> Once it wasn't hot burn. <laughs> Get some pep to DC. <laughs> yeah. And then... So we, I started there in 2006. At the end of 2007, he actually brought his quatrain to work. And I didn't even realize he was a musician. Okay. So, so he came and he started playing. And, and man was playing really well and playing with so much passion and so on. And the thing is, in my heart, I wasn't a singer. I was a bassist. But what happened is this other guy in the apartment started to sing like scrunt and so on. And I was like, man, I can't sing. But I could sing better than that. Yeah. So I started singing some songs with him, and we went to, around to various departments in the building and entertained them and so on. And then I sat back down with him, and I was like, I didn't realize he was so good. And I, I stated this to him, and I asked him what he does with his talent. And he said, well, he, he doesn't do anything. They play the house parang, he house parangs. I say, you know other people in this music? He said, yeah, he has two brothers. So... I was like, three brothers. You have one more guy you could get, and we could form a five man band, and I'll get you all gigs. Because at that point in time, Boone was playing. We were playing for $2,500 a gig, and each man was getting $500. So a I told, night. yeah, so. $500 a gig. Um, so we can't say a night because there are nights we play like three gigs. Wow. So I actually told them, hey, hear what? Um, talk to your brothers. I'll get you all 10 gigs for your season, and we'll get $5,000 a man. Easy like that. So he was like, okay, yeah, he'll talk to them. So his brothers were real for the idea. They've actually brought in another quattro guy whose father was playing in the Lara Brothers. So these guys were legit. Yeah, they had and, chops. And we arranged to meet at Boone's band room. So we went in, reached inside the band room. We stand up there. They're ready to jam. Then it came to me like, what are you doing? Because they had a box bass man so i couldn't play bass yeah and they had everybody ready so i was like okay let's let's try some scrunter i'll try and sing so that's how the band was formed we got the we we played the first show we played was at gruff parang festival which is really big in the west side um then it so happened tsl was the second they had a christmas party tsl was the second gig we got Look how it all comes back to that. Eh? Yeah. <laughs> and then um, we went to Woodford and we played a Friday. And the owner said, hey, what? A book on you all for six Fridays. So that was eight gigs right there. We got Costat. 
and we got another private gig. And I was like, guys, we got the 10 gigs. And I was the singer doing some scrunter. They were doing some traditional parang. Just just the basics. Yeah. Just your standard. You, yeah. you know, drink a rum and a punch of creme. Yeah. All them things like yeah. that, here, that you would normally hear every Christmas time. Yeah. And we did it. We got paid. And that was supposed to be it. That was that was it. That was it? Yeah. And, and what year was this? You remember? Or? 2007. Okay. Then in 2008, I got called from 25 people to book the band. So we played 25 gigs. That wasn't the intention. I already did what we were supposed to do. I was satisfied with that. But yeah. I mean, it was easy, easy bookings. So we came together again and we did it. We did the 25 gigs. The year after, I said, we'll try this and I'll, I'll try booking gigs as well. Now, the thing with me is I'm a rock person at heart. I mean, yeah. I appreciate Parang and Soka Parang, but those guys, they have a love for it. They, they listen, when I listen to rock, they listen to Parang. All June, July, that's the music they listen parang. to. Yeah. yeah. And we don't start the season before November 15th. And December 24th is when we close off. That's it. That's it. One month. Right? So... In 2008, we were booked for 75 gigs in that time. Jesus Christ. So, so they, do the, do the, do Tracy, do that, man. <laughs> so they actually had a day we did 10 gigs. Jesus Christ. And I actually, and it so happened that year was Chogum. And they called us, they called, called me because of the association we had with Woodford. And they said they wanted us to represent the Parang Art Form. And I At said, Chugum. yeah. And I said, out of all the bands in Trinidad, Los Paranderos to Yui, Los Alumnos de Sam, or the real Lara Brothers, real Paran bands, why are you all calling us? They said, because we bring something different to the table. We are like a novelty act. And with that, I said, whoever saw us was probably drinking a lot. But yeah, we'll do it. And You get you, you get that government money. Yeah, and it so money. happened. It was at Hilton. And then when we reached the event... They needed a host for the event. I asked them if they had a jacket. Provide me with a jacket. And they'll pay me later. And I hosted the event. They had Cass, Denise, Denise Plummer, um, Silver Sals, Panside, I think Dragon Boys, Tassel Group, and Los Hombres. Well, we call ourselves Los Hombres for that government event. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you had to. You know, yeah. not carry faster. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, so we did that. But to go back to the the day we had the 10 gigs, I was actually looking across at like my Shack Shack player and, and the Talk Talk man. And instead of looking happy, the guys were actually looking angry. Oh, yeah. Because they were so tired and, and fed up. And it's at that point in time, I decided that on a night, we can't do, well, on a day, we can't do any more than three gigs. And thereafter, we boiled down to like 50 gigs a season. And that's how it's been going since which then. Is, which is still really good money at the end of the year. I mean, yeah. gosh, you can imagine being in a soccer band. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like People don't realize that like, when when, when I, I always say you have to beat the iron when it's hot. Um, that, as a musician in Trinidad, if you could do that, yeah. that's, that's a good reason. Yeah, like, definitely. But it's just so much work. So how... Do you get ready for the um say the the parang season? What's the run up? When do you guys start practicing as a parang band? As a parang band, 
Um, the great thing about Christmas music is the same music every year. Every year is the same But thing. for us, the difference is now, as I said, we are novelty acts. I actually call our parent group a rock group. <laughs> okay. Because in terms of not only how the band is, in terms of the demographic, I talk about our parent group going fights, real action. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I see. I saw uh, was that one of your gigs at Look Like a Bad Way where you give a man a gist, yeah. <laughs> Because he wanted to take a lyric sheet. <laughs> and then he also blowed up the sound man. <laughs> but it so it so happened that the parent group was based because in parent I'm not even Stanley, I'm Alberto, Salvarelis, Consuelo, whatever whatever, whatever. Say that three times fast. I, I can't even say that three times fast. Write that down. We're gonna put that as your name on this um episode, you know. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> You're not going to be Stanley Jennings on the title card. You're going to be Alberto Consuelos, whatever your name is. And yeah. see if anybody pick up it. <laughs> yeah. You should actually make an alternate Facebook account. He, with it's that. there. You like. It's there. It's there. He has friends I don't even have. <laughs> I like how they met him. And I actually, had, um, I actually have a great friend managing that page. I don't even manage the page. That is that is that is funny. Yeah. That that is really funny. So do you guys um so question, you guys do like the typical pang thing where you get costumes made and stuff like that, or you just no, I, red jersey black man's? Um what we even try to do is not even dress as dress like how we dress. Okay. Like yeah, dress how we dress, but just try to match. That's what I wanted them to do. I wanted them to feel comfortable. And I don't wanna do the whole flowery skirts and all of that. I don't want no so you know who the flowers or are you singing thing that way? I, I might do it, but but the other guys now. <laughs> but um, how now this this is this is Darrell, This is why I was wondering, people who do these things. How does that change your love, or does that make you love or hate Christmas? I love Christmas. They they actually had a few Christmases. I was I was single, so on Christmas Day, we had gigs, and oh. and I mean I remember. The night before, we played at this bar, Idle Hour in, in St. James. And so I went I went to the Christmas gig and, and seeing those people with their families, their wives, and so on. And in, I was in character as Alberto. And I was like, it's so lovely to be here, you know? Uh, you know, it's, it's lovely to be here, see you all hugging up your wives and girlfriends and so on. And our biggest fan is Saucy Pow. And yet, we are here playing for you. And... The, the families actually looked at us kind of sad because they realized how how much how different it is for a parent group leaving their it's, families and their it's 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 a tough it's a it's a tough hustle because yeah. I mean with me with work I mean I love Christmas but boy when those Christmas sales start yeah and the traffic I'd be like I tell myself you know I really hate Christmas man and your place always busy <laughs> so Christmas I could imagine I mean I love carnival but look where I live in us you see that traffic for fet. <laughs> His car sleep. Yeah. His car sleep with wow. sirens and stuff like that because it's right down Chakaram. Yeah. The worst. So, what is the plan for um Los Hombres Sexuales well, this year? What, you guys doing anything different? Or? Well, yeah. Every year we add a couple more songs. Not necessarily Parang or Soka Parang. But what we might do is like give like I do a lot of Brigo. I'm I love Brigo ever since. Mm-hmm. So I actually incorporate Brigo in, in our set. Um I try to listen to songs that impact on us and songs that we like and give them a Christmas flavor. Okay. And so every year we'll pull in three or four. So now our repertoire probably is about 
is about a hundred songs. And you that guys we just that's about 10, 15 years now. Yeah, um, twelve years. Twelve years. So we draw we draw on the the songs that we like to do and and give them a, a different flavor. There any like parent gigs you just won't do ever again or? Um, well, there's one out of all the places we played. There's one that never rehired us, and that's for I'll give you the reason. Um, Costat. I went there in character as Alberto. So it was the night of Empath. Mm-hmm. And um, in character, of course. And that that was actually our first year. And yeah. I didn't know, as I say, I didn't I don't know much Param songs. I didn't know much Soka Param. So what we used to do is do a medley with like um, La Bamba and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You kind of mix it up. And to fill the space, I was singing Spanish because I did Spanish at Ozanese. And I'll sing in Spanish, figuring not ma- many people at that point will understand what I'm singing. And I'll sing in over and over just to fill the space. I have no money. I want a cat. I want a woman with a cat. And I'll sing it real bold and it's sounding real nice in the music and stuff. Yeah. But what happened is it's cost that. A lot of people, there were Spanish students. They had a Spanish teacher there. And they're hearing me singing Parang, yeah. which is... No tango, didn't you? Yeah, which is... Yeah, sang that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they're hearing me singing this nonsense, and they're like, what the hell we hire this band for? I know, they never get called And back. we never got called back for them. Everywhere else we've played has hired us at least once or twice. Oh, because that whole you could treat the people so... Well, yeah, if they hire us again, we'll, we'll fix that, but who knows? If they hear this podcast, they'll hire you. Yeah, hopefully. We'll tag them. Tracy, make sure and tag them. Cost that in the comments, please. Uh, I have a real interesting story as well. Oh, please, go on. Okay. So, in 2007, we booked at Woodford Cafe to play every Friday. Yeah. Now, I'm real meticulous and real thing with time. And, of course, so so the owners of the establishment. My band reached to Woodford Cafe one Friday night, half an hour late. Oh, Christmas time. Busy. We, we're booked for an hour, right? So, I was there. Um, the owner told me, okay. You're playing for half an hour, and you're playing for half the money. I said, I can't argue with that. We we'll, we have to do it. So we did that. But, of course, those guys still want to play. So what we did was we went in the back of... Well, we went by Shakers. Because Shakers was in Movie Town that time. And we went to them, and we we said, um, you all want to have Parang here? And they were like, no, nah, we can't have Parang here. So what we decided to do... In fact... I could say what I decided to do at that point in time. I asked the guys, hey, let's just play in the back of Movie Town and pull a crowd. So exactly that. We, we stood back there playing. My mother was there. My aunt was there. And a few hundred people came and sat down listening to us just jamming parang. And Movie Town saw that, right? And they have a place there now called Fiesta Plaza. So I was telling Movie Town the, the couple times we played there, they should name that stage Los Hombres Sexuales Fiesta Plaza because they got the idea. See, yeah, it's your, because back then it was just open space. Yeah, just because open Woodford space. Because Woodford was there. You, had, you didn't have anything else. Nothing else. Woodford Jim Maloons. Yeah. And that was it. And we, they, a few hundred people just sat down there taking, a, taking us in. Remember Jim Maloons, boy? Yeah. Jim freaking Maloons. <laughs> that place is... Dias that and just go on. Tommy's now though. Full respect to Tommy's. Love Tommy's brewery. Good, 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 good place. So, 
you have a perspective as being a power man. You had a dub band and stuff like that. Coming back to the rock thing now. Right. You see the crowd that those things could bring in. What do you think rock bands and like the rock scene is doing wrong? That they can't get the kind of growth that like Parang is such a smaller niche market. If you if you look at like you'd only hear Parang for two months. Yeah. And a Parang gig to sell off. Yeah. But you could hear rock rock anything from Ash Wednesday all the way to like September. Yet when you have a rock show, nobody's come. Why do you think that is? As it it bothers me up to this day, man. I because I see the same hundred faces now after playing. I talk about after playing for thousands would 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 burn, and actually explaining this to the anarchists how it was and showing them videos of yeah. Pop. You see pictures of like you see pictures of pop. The pop rock used to have it used to have like soca fet yeah, and that was always I think like what this third or second Saturday. Oh, no, it was a Sunday, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. In um, August. Yeah. And people would mark that date and you would know that you couldn't have nothing that yeah. day because everybody going down Shadow Yeah, so... On a Sunday, you know. So after seeing that, I mean, yeah, it's, it's really sad to me to, to to play for a couple hundred people, sometimes in tens and twenties, you know? Yeah. And I still can't get the reasoning behind it. Um... Because Metallica was the, the the most sold out concert in the past year. That's what I read recently. Yeah. They still pull a good crowd. Yeah. The tool album sells yeah. so big. I went to Maiden in Florida this year. Well, well, I mean, you sit down and look at these bands too. I mean, they're established bands 30, 40 years on the grind. Yeah, but still, they, there is a rock following. I mean, here in Trinidad, it feels like the rock following now is like 200 people. If you're lucky. Yeah. Because if we assume that the 200 people, 50 of them have kids, you know they ain't going to come to yeah. any show after a certain hour or a certain day. I don't know, man. I mean, it bothers me too because no matter what you do, like, it's hard. But the interesting thing is, like, R&B acts and stuff like that pull decent crowds. Yeah. Because we just, I just went to Pro Trini the other day and um, drink wine bar and they had a pretty good crowd of people just there and it was an open mic and it was good um marcus freeboyd used to have his um his unplugged and chill sessions yeah. in kaiser blues and they used to have good crowds yes i mean I, I don't get it um do you think it's time for us to start passing the baton to like younger people in the rock scene or do you well think that is exactly why i formed the anarchists is younger people in the rock scene but even the kind, the rock they they know, well, especially like my guitarist, is stuff I never even heard about. <laughs> like third eye blind? I mean, I <laughs> nah, no, you, I talk about modern, modern softer rock that it it actually will hurt me to play. <laughs> really? Yeah. Is that bad or that, is that good? Um, it's bad in that. From where I sit is is not what I'll want to do, but it's good for them in that they like that music and and that's the direction I guess the band has to go in order for them to appreciate what they're doing. I see what you're saying, but you know I've always wondered like how come we as an island never developed our own like rock sound? 
we had a rock song and that was John Desai. Yeah. And to Heard me, Chango on the radio yesterday, actually. Yeah, I was like, yeah. John Desai to me was world class and um it reached a point where I was actually um managing the guitarist at a point in time. And that was basically how we met because you called me and, and said, Hey, Stan, um we trying to do this project and, and it would be me, Lana and Arthur Reed drumming. Arthur, yeah, that was that was the name. His name last, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and when when you said that, I was like, yeah, I, I ain't on that. That's I mean, I real tied up, but yeah, I was like, I was like, I have a bunch of parent gigs coming up, you know. But um, <laughs> wait, what? I'm playing with Arthur. Yeah, um, I inside. Yeah. That's crazy. I mean, but it's like we haven't had a John Desai since. Yeah. I mean, we had Skid in the Valley, but. You know, they kind of were their own thing. Um, Black Rose, for some weird reason, has a big following in terms of, like, people who don't, like, follow the scene. Right. They're like, I get people ask me, Black Rose is still play? Yeah. Like, to think that Black Rose would be, like, you know, and to me, I don't think Black Rose was, like, I mean, they were good, but then, like, they would still have to this day, like, people would still, like, call Black Rose off the top of their head before they say somebody like Orange Sky. Right. You know well, that, I mean? that's great for Black Rose, but to me, is the epitome and, and I mean is John Desai um, at a point in time it was also Boone for me so when they I talk about Boone I was even in Boone and yeah. and I was like wow this man is amazing so even like when I initially joined them it was just to, to fill in a spot because it was just to fill in for the anchorage and let their bases come back in and um, I really like the direction Crash was coming with as well and then they crashed. Crash, crash. Yeah. But um, the, the Carters are doing quite well. Um, but they they also what we consider a cover band. Okay. Not... Um, I really like Checklist. Checklist, yeah. Have you listened to the new yeah. Checklist album? Yeah, yeah. I think um, that album was probably one of my favorite local albums for 2019. Um, that tune, Take Two Panadol. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you see that's that's the, see that's the kind of music I can see like if young people were to hear it they would be like I I, I could get into that right you understand what I, I'm saying and it's like we're no longer in the era of listening to heavy guitars and hard rock and thing anymore but this is like the kind of you know where we head into a little more mellow a little more alternative and I find more bands just start um I think Five Miles were like that as well. Um, I'm not hearing too much about them these days. I'm not sure what they're up to. But yeah, they were also going in a in a decent direction. But as I said, for me, the epitome, in terms of exactly the three points that I told you about earlier, image, yeah. attitude, and skill, John Desai. Yeah, John Desai is probably the best, like, iconic. Yeah. Turn it out, man. Yeah. I like that stuff. The new album's pretty good. Yeah. It is. And and I'm glad that one of three fires spinning that stuff on the radio too. Yeah. Because I tell you, it was it was like what, six o'clock in the morning, half past six in the morning, and Shango comes on. I was like, wait <laughs> Well yeah, man. It's like it's not Thursday night. How <laughs> we end this. Yeah. That was great stuff. So you're excited for powering season? Yes, I am. I am excited each time I get to perform in, in front of some people. You ever found a keyboardist? Um, I haven't, but I I think in terms of of what I'm going with, 
um, after work with a keyboardist very soon for a different project. So I'll actually mention it to him. Okay. Yeah. You want to talk about that possible idea or that's keeping it under wraps? Um, I prefer to keep it under wraps for now. That is ultimate secret, everybody. You'll know when the time comes. Yeah. But, but that's good. Yeah. Good. Well, Stanley, I know you're a very, very busy, busy, busy man. In case you didn't know, we talk for an entire hour. Wow. It just flies. I tell you, it's like band practice. It just disappear. Wow. I didn't realize that. <laughs> Tracy, you have anything to ask Stanley? You good? She's good. She's good. She's good. Playing Candy Crush or some shit on it. <laughs> Wives, man. That's just how it is, you know. Um. So, so what's going on with your your bands? Well, we had the Shepherd and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, busy. We have a new keyboardist called um, Marielle, who's friends friends with Gerard. Right. Um, we're trying to incorporate her with some of the things that she's doing. She brings a different musical dynamic. Right. Into everything that we do. Yeah. So. When it comes to like, I mean, she just grind our gears because she'd be like, um, give me a, a CCAD 9, please. Um, give me a F augmented yeah. 7. And I'm just like, I was like, I'm back in music school. Yeah. I've never been there, but no, but it's good having that perspective. Um, it's, it's nice to have that, to actually have a, every band needs to have a set of keys. Not only for tuning, but for pitch correction and making everybody better musicians. Yeah, and arrangement, definitely. And also, well, Sheldon's back in the grind. Yes. You know, after yeah, yeah. a kid and everything, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's Daddy really Sheldon, Daddy Sheldon is there, <laughs> you know, getting on. And um, we were going on some new material uh, just to get things recorded. We wanted to get stuff recorded by the end of the year, but, you know, scheduling and stuff like that is always, always, always hard to get people together. Yeah, it's not like we don't have any money because we're one of the few bands that actually get paid for carry plus. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks to Music TT, but you should definitely get um Los Hombres on the Music TT wagon and stuff like that as well. Get them right. signed up because get booked because I'm sure. I mean, you can call Marty <laughs> and yeah, sign up. Yeah, I mentioned Marty on the podcast. Again. He's like the most mentioned person on this thing. Um, no, definitely call the Music TT people and get signed up with Creative TT and. Like, just for, you know, never know, like, people might want an off-office gig or something like that. And they're trying to get everybody to book through a new app. Right. Um, I think it's called, um, I forget the name of the damn app, but we shared it on um, Facebook. I'll put the link below, but they basically have a booking app now. Okay. Get Amped. Right. Um, Amped is the name of the app. So now the casual person can just, like, all right, if you're a venue owner, it's like, I can book this band and book them for X amount of time and they can get that authorized for Music TT and Music TT will possibly you know help them organize the process and you can get a lot of people okay and what's what's going on with Dollar Box Dollar Box <laughs> I don't know what's going on with Dollar Box well when last spoke to Jared about Dollar Box he's just like I don't know the, wait you haven't been to the band room recently no let's just say um, something something came through and now there's more space in the band room than anybody can imagine. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, actually, Riaz called me for my birthday and we spoke for a while. And right. Really, even if we just get together and jam. Well, yeah, Riaz and I were all close in that um, after, well, meeting with jammers, we're actually um, still working. We actually meet meet every week now. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so, yeah. Well, we normally practice on Wednesdays, but we are the shepherd. But when things cool down a little, well, you're getting busy just now. 
Yeah. But definitely, like, when we have some off time, get together and do the thing, man. Yeah. You know, get get the dollar box going because we have a good set list. Yeah, I learned all the tunes, you know. Well, serious. Yeah, but I'm ready to go one all already, man. <laughs> Yeah. I know Riyadh is very expensive, very very excited because he wants to. Yeah. He wants to do. We should, you know what? We should just we should just book a dollar box show and just just launch it, you know. Yeah, all of that. We should just do that. You know, let me look for let me look for the weekend after carnival because I know Isaac. You know Isaac carnival man. <laughs> you know Gerald is a carnival man. Yeah. So, the dollar box is coming. <laughs> so Stanley, tell the people where they could find you and where they could read all your tentacle stories if you have not. Going back and read Stanley's chronicle of being a real estate entrepreneur <laughs> in Trinidad and Tobago. You have to, how many stories is 15? Yeah, about 15. 15 stories that you need to go back and read by Stanley. And they are probably some of the best like literature you could read. Because not only are they well written as Facebook statuses, but they can, um, they give you a perspective on what being somebody who wants to run properties and dealing with Trinidadians on a daily basis. You know what, Stanley? Here's what. I'm going to have you come over there. You're going to print them out. And we're going to record them and put them in audible form. <laughs> right? And I will host them. Right. And you can have the whole This is Tentacles with Stanley. <laughs> Previously on Tentacles. <laughs> and you will just have the whole audio book. Right. Up for download and just let people listen to it because it's stories that need to hear. Man, some of those stories are just. <laughs> yeah. I was religiously checking the Facebook <laughs> every day. So, Stanley, let the people find out where they can find you, where they can get in touch with you, how we can book Los Hombres Sexuales. Tell the people where to find you. The mic's okay, yours. Okay, let me, let me start. Um, tomorrow, we are actually playing down south at Troopers Bar, but this is the band Tremor, which is a death metal band. As I said, those guys are really good. Um, I'm hel- helping them out for the past few years as a bassist, but they play what they, they love and I respect them for that. So we'll be at the Troopers Bar tomorrow night, which is, well, this won't be on the podcast till, until Wednesday. Until Wednesday. <laughs> I just yeah. thought you go with it, and, you know. Yeah, thereafter, um, Burn will be at Frostfest 7, which, Frostfest 7. which is November 30th. During the month of November to December, Los Hombres Sexuales will be at many venues. I'll actually put put it up on our Facebook page. We have a Facebook group by the name of Los Hombres Sexuales, where you'll see me as Albertos, Alvarelis, Consuelo, whatever, whatever. Albertos will actually be hosting a bingo event for Licka Licka Mart because, uh-huh. yeah, on November 9th, it's it's at um, Mukurapu School. It's a big bingo event, which Albertos will be actually the host for. Because like yeah. What time? Uh, um, it's from six, six till about ten, on November 9th. That's a Saturday. Yeah, Albertus is the host. It's for a really good, good cause, and that the Neves family, who actually runs Lekka Lekka Mart, their house was burned down a couple of years ago. They lost everything, every wow. everything. So, I mean, I I actually had a work event to go to that night. Uh, um. I'm not going. I'm going to this, and I'll be the host for this event because that family is really close to my heart. Um, what else? As I said, I'm with Riaz. We're forming a band by the name of X Robots, working religiously every week. Riaz is one of my favorite talents in Trinidad. Great guy. Yeah, great guy. Um, he actually sang. He actually sang my 
dedication to my wife for our wedding. Um, we're working, we're coming out soon, um, meeting every week, and uh, we're all proud of the of the efforts. We have um, Randy Gray on drums for that for that band. As that's pretty much it. As Los Hombres, Anarchist, Anarchist, Boone, X Robots, and Trauma. Yeah, that's it. That's everybody. We are very very busy, son. <laughs> and of course, Dollar Box will be coming soon. Yeah, Dollar hopefully. Box. Hopefully, and um. The Tentacles audiobook <laughs> out this Christmas. <laughs> you laughing. I'm going to bring this here banner and we're going to record those episodes, all right? And yeah. You're going to put it up Christmas Day for the people to download. I am dead serial. I'm holding you to that. Yeah, that was cool. Those are all cool. You have um, Tracy do some artwork for that now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you make it like a children's storybook. <laughs> a horror. <laughs> <laughs> like those old like um, 50s horror posters with like you know yeah what, what i could say is is what i've realized for me is as a musician i've actually met um most of the important people in my life due to music i met chris and tracy because of music i met my wife because of music i met riaz because of music boon um everybody <laughs> music is this thing man yeah know, just, it, it touches your soul and it brings people together it's not political or anything like that. you know what i mean it just yeah the, it is what it is if you like what you like you know and you can find people who like and on that same vibe yeah it's so great it's like my podcast like podcast you know and just simple conversation bring people together talk you know it's great 2019 yeah. those are all great initiative thanks on, stanley only general podcast repping yeah Lovely. stanley thanks a lot Thank you for taking the time and listening to this podcast. We appreciate the fact that you have listened to this entire episode. China is all the talk right now in the news. And a few months ago, I sat down with Matthew Quelo and discussed the entire China 2025 situation. So if you haven't already, go back and give the episode four a listen. All applicable links will be in the show notes and you can find those on Anchor FM, Spotify, Apple, or any of your favorite podcast platforms.